This episode is supported by Seedlip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. Crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories, Seedlip Spirit solved the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking, whether it's for the night, the month, or forever. Because as a non-drinker, it never feels great when your only options are water, soda, or sugary mocktails. So now you can skip the booze without feeling left out when it comes to your social life. And whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors, aromatic spices, or savory herbs, Seedlip offers a drink for every type of of drinker. It's crafted using bespoke process, including traditional copper distillation of botanicals. And each of Seedlip's three variants, which are Spice 94, Garden 108, and Grow 42, are alcohol-free and have their own unique flavors, which pair so perfectly with just a splash of tonic. Plus, they can be used to make more complex cocktails, and you'll find those in the Seedlip cocktail book or on their Instagram account at seedlip underscore na. So head on over to seedlipdrinks.com or .ca and use the promo code thisfamilytree10 for 10% off your favorite non-alcoholic spirits. These are available in Canada and in the US and now at LCBO stores across Ontario. Again, that is seedlipdrinks.com and thisfamilytree10. Hello everyone, I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband Shane. We are so glad that you could join us for happy hour on This Family Tree Podcast, episode 146. We have a skin expert as a guest today. We do. We have Dr. Simran Seti and this was an incredible conversation. So Dr. Seti owns, you know, a, like a bunch of medical spas in California and is coming out with her own skincare line. Amazing, knowledgeable person. And we kind of break down different skincare myths and tricks and hacks. And I ask, you know, like the Kardashians are always coming out with like, ooh, this is how I stay beautiful looking, whatever. We break those down and find out kind of fact of and fiction with all of those things. So really fun interview. And I learned a ton. Shane, you were asking me why I bought all that collagen in the Amazon order that came through today. That's why, Dr. Seti. Yeah, I, w- I didn't know what it was. I thought you were injecting weird stuff in your body and I <laughs> caught you in something. No. Not that I would care. I mean, do what you want. You don't have to keep secrets from me. But uh, no, you will enjoy this one. Check it out, folks. Let me know what you think. Um, but Shane, before we get into it, let's do a little toast. We got a Seedlip Sour made with Seedlip Garden 108, non alcoholic cocktail. Delicious. Oh, yeah. Seedlip sour. This is good. See, it tastes like a night out, I think. It does. And that's the last thing we need right now after our, not, we went back to alcohol for a weekend after being yeah. off it for so long. We were celebrating the last day of uh, the main crew shooting for the sketch show. So we went on a uh, camping trip with the family and we broke the fast of no alcohol and and by a weekend of drinking it, it was one night of drinking really yes it was one night. <laughs> <laughs> and that destroyed me sufficiently i i tried going out the one night i i went to sneak out of our tent to go drinking with my friends but after i had one drink while i was waiting for you to put betty down i decided to just go back to bed the second you came out instead oh guys okay so i'm shane leaves right like you said, to go out, meet up with our friends at the campfire. And I take another 45 minutes to get the kids down and get them asleep. And the whole time I'm doing that, I'm just like thinking to myself, I'm like, oh man, because these tents are glamorous. Like they are tents, but they're safari tents. There's queen size actual beds, heated blankets that sandwich you beautifully. And they're just so cozy. And it was like freezing outside. So the whole time I'm putting the kids to bed, I just keep thinking about how nice it would be to climb in there and just go to sleep myself. And then when I went outside and saw you just sitting in the dark on your phone having a shot after 45 minutes, 
I was like, Shane, like I'm, I'm down for getting back in there. And you're like, oh, Alex, I, I've kind of been waiting for you to say that. A lot of things were going on. So when we were putting the kids down, I was jealous of the children. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, you put the kids down and you're like, hey, 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 I get to go out or I'm going to watch a TV show or something and pretend I'm going to bed. But really, I'm going to do all this fun adult stuff. This was the reverse. Mm. All I wanted to do is climb into that bed, which has the nice heated blanket that they oh, do in yeah. this tent. And it's I like sleeping in the cold. And this tent gets pretty cold, but under the heated blanket, it's so warm. It's a warm hug. I'm tired from the show. I don't know how to interact with people really anymore. <laughs> the last thing I want to do is to drink enough alcohol where I'm comfortable socializing because then I'm going to feel repercussions the next day and I'm already so beaten up. I'm, I don't have the, the faculties to take the beating, you know, so I decided the second you come out, I'm going to try to persuade you to go back in. Yeah, it was because easy. usually I put Lucy to bed and she goes down a little quicker yeah. than Betty and Betty hates me. So people listening are like, <laughs> oh, why don't you put Betty to bed? But it's just Betty doesn't like me right now. It's way easier if I do it. Yeah. Uh, but we both went back to bed. So thank you for doing that. Oh, Shane, that was like one of the best nights of the past year because I was so exhausted. You were so exhausted and we just went and snuggled up a storm in that heat of blanket and it felt so good passing out by like what 9 45 that felt amazing but then the next night we had enough rest where we could have some poison okay now i, I want to ask you because we did go out that night and we were making jokes before we went out about like oh wouldn't it be nice to get back in the tent again and just go back to sleep and we were joking kind of but i know we were both a little bit serious too but anyway we went to the campfire and i'm curious was it difficult for you to socialize through your exhaustion and through just having worked so much? Because I found it a little bit difficult and I had to do a couple shots to get me to that level of like, okay, I'm in it. I'm here. Yeah. Before I went to the campfire though, I had two shots and I had two beers. Mm. So, cause I was drinking while you were putting Betty down. Right. And then I was at an okay state, but still it was tough for me. It was so hard. It was so hard and no matter, like, you know, I, I had a few drinks in the night, but like I, I always felt just so many levels below everybody else. And it wasn't just because they drank more, or I drank less or whatever. It was just because the mindset and I just think the exhaustion, like I feel like I was just a sack of potatoes. Yeah. And I also think I'm at that age where going to bed is more exciting than <laughs> not going to bed. I agree. I agree. Like but my priorities are so different right now. Like the things I think about are like, I can't wait to burn off that mole. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've been thinking about it so much how I can't wait to have enough time where I can burn off a mole on my head. Well, your first mole removal went so well. It looks great. I don't even see the scar. How does this happen to me? This is something that would only happen to me. The day I burn off the, this big mole on my head, another worse mole grows. Well, the thing is, too, with your mole, Shane, like they start off real cute. And I really loved the one like I was like sentimentally attached to it. Me too. It, it was a part of your face. So it was really cute. But then it just like. It lost all of its cute color. Like I like a cute little brown mole. It's like, <laughs> mm, I'm, am I a birthmark? Am I a mole? I'll never tell. It's like that mole thing on your face that looks the really thing. nice. Yeah. That's a beauty mark. Yeah. Mine used to be in Beauty Mark World. It was. Then it became in Raised Mole World. It's like, it's kind of gross, but it's kind of cool placement. Then it just became this like chocolate chip 
on my head, which was like, oh, it's a little too big, but at least it's brown. <laughs> then it lost all of its brown color and became this transparent weird thing. So I got it zapped off because it was distracting people, scaring children, whatever. And then I get it removed. And then this other one comes. And this other one's huge now. I know. And it, what we were looking at pictures from two years ago, and it was the tiniest little speck. So like, how big would that first one have gotten had you not zapped it off? Do you think it Massive. just would have kept ballooning? It just never would have stopped. It could have got bigger than my head. But when we were <laughs> shooting on set, my sister, yeah. who, you know, no one can annoy you like your sibling. I love my sister, but she annoys me sometimes. and She knows how to push my buttons. She came to set one day and she's pointing around the monitor. Look at his mole. And everyone's <laughs> like, hey, what is that thing? I never knew Shane had that. Someone's like, I thought he got his mole removed. <laughs> And everyone's and you filmed it. You were just trying to catch a fun behind the scenes moment. And you just filmed everyone talking about my mole, which leads me to believe that people were probably talking about this mole (laughs) more than that. If the one time you happen to film, you caught that. No, they weren't. Nobody noticed the mole. And I didn't even realize what I had caught. And then when I was showing you, I immediately thought like, oh, shit, I should have listened to this before I showed him because I didn't want you to get Mm self-conscious. But it was totally accidental. But I don't know why your sister brought it up. I think it was like a thing because she is a similar mole and she was trying to be tell everybody on set, like, look how similar we are, me and my brother. And she's like, my dad has moles. <laughs> yeah, she, uh. she started telling a story about how you ripped off a mole from your dad when you were little. And I'm like, listen, I, I get sucked <laughs> into the conversation, which I don't want to. I'm like, there were skin tags. They weren't moles. And I'm yelling at my sister and people are like, this is the weirdest man alive. And I was also consuming 2,000 calories worth of honey at that time because I had a cough oh, and you yeah. can't cough in COVID time. So my only solution was honey and I was amped up. Anyway, I'm glad the shoot's over in a way, but I still miss it. Okay, well, look, I got a message today because on the last day of shooting, we did this whole cowboy sketch and you were dressed up like a sexy cowboy. And I just got a message like right before this podcast of somebody saying how hot you looked on that day. And I'm curious because you had some highs and lows during that filming process, I'm sure in like terms of your ego. So there's people saying you look hot. One of your co-stars also started talking to me about that same picture, about how amazing your skin is and how she's jealous of how perfect your skin is. Yeah. And Hmm. she was like, look, I'm not in a shame. She knows I'm jealous. But... His skin and eyes look flawless here. And I was like, I know, that's why I posted it. But. I think that's actually one of the ugliest pictures of me. (laughs) No, your eyes look gorgeous and your skin does look amazing. And then there's moments like your sister pointing out your mole and people having conversations about moles. And then also uh, catching people talking about your belly. Belly button. Your belly button. Don't say belly. Sorry. (laughs) Um. So I'm curious if, you know, you had more yes ego moments or more no ego moments. No ego moments. Seeing yourself on camera is a very scary prospect. You know, they say the camera adds 10 pounds. Mm -hmm. I also think the camera just makes you look weird. I I noticed because sometimes I would bump into actors, Mm -hmm. people who I thought were character actors. And in my mind, I'd say, "Ah, I'm better looking than that guy. You know, sometimes when I'm watching TV, I tend to rate who's better me or him and then i see them in real life it's like whoa this guy i thought was a character actor (laughs) is one of the best looking men on earth (laughs) so then when i see myself 
on film in a sketch. I'm like, whoa, I thought I looked good that day. I looked terrible <laughs> that day. Look at that mole. Look at my pasty skin. What is wrong with my face? I do not feel good about my, myself in that way. The sketches, though, if the sketch is funny, ultimately, I don't care. Mm -hmm. And what we have seen so far have been really funny. So I think you should feel good because I also do think you look good. Not that it matters, but I no, think you does. do. No, it does. I was waiting for you to chime in with a rebuttal, but no, it took I, a while, I, but I got I think there. you look real good. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. But how how are you feeling? Like, the it's over. And I want to know if you learned anything, because this is your first time, obviously, doing a show. And I will say, like, I learned so much. But the one thing that floors me and never ceases to amaze me is how freaking long it takes to make anything. Mm -hmm. And for, you know, 30 seconds of video footage, it's six hours of filming. And it is wild how much magic happens in all of those hours to make that, you know, 30 seconds of yeah. just funny television. It's about two and a half hours per 30 seconds. That would be the more accurate math. Mm, but yeah, God. it does take a long time. What did I learn? I learned my gut, not the one with the hideous belly button <laughs> attached to it, but the inner gut. My, mine is pretty good. I've got a good gut instinct for Intuition. what's going to. Yeah, you could say that. But just what is going to work and what is not within the show. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm pretty good at it. And there was times when, you know, I had a feeling a sketch wouldn't work. And then it people laughed in the table read. So... I felt pressure to put certain things in the show. And then even though in my heart, I knew it wouldn't work and then it didn't work really show's not done yet, but I was just like, Oh, I should have really pushed my gut. And in most cases I did, I pushed 90% of the time, but the 10% of things that slip through, I do. I, I am noticing that in my mind's eye, at least, and everyone mm -hmm. has different comedic tastes. I mean, comedy is subjective. And the thing I think might be our worst sketch will inevitably be somebody's favorite sketch. It's just the nature of polarization, too. Um, but, yeah, I, I found if we did a season two, I would go with my gut even more than I did in season one. I learned something about myself also on the show. And that is... I am a person who likes to show pictures of their kids. And I don't know if I hate this about myself. I think I hate it about myself. Who do you myself. show it to? Anybody who's asking. Anybody who shows an inkling of asking. And it even carried on today to my first day back at my regular job. One person was like, you have a kid now, don't you? And I was like, I've got two. Pulled out my phone and immediately start flipping through the cute photo album reel. And... Uh, I was trying to gauge their face. I only showed them two pictures. Which ones? The ones that you took this weekend when we were camping. Like, mm -hmm. seriously, the cutest pictures of our kids that I've ever seen. And uh, so I was showing these and I'm realizing I'm smiling like an idiot and nodding mm -hmm. my head and just watching this person's reaction. They were like happy, but yeah. they weren't saying, oh, show me more. So that embarrassingly, I just like put my phone away and tried to change the subject. But I showed lots of people on set too, babe. I showed lots of people pictures of the kids, but usually only one picture. Yeah, I'm proud of the kids, but I don't show pictures of the kids. Maybe I'm embarrassed. It's like you. I'm embarrassed at how beautiful you are. So sometimes, <laughs> not, for the reason, not for the reason you think. It's because people are, are like, and I experienced this on set, and we can talk about that. They're always like, that's your wife? And then it's like, <laughs> you're an ugly idiot. <laughs> and then they make fun of me. So... On set, this has happened to us. Wait, 
But what's the reason I think? Well, maybe the reason you think is I'm being modest because I'm actually deserving of you, but I'm being modest. <laughs> the reason is people will say I'm I'm not deserving. So I don't like at pointing out like, oh, my wife is the most beautiful woman at this party because then I know insults will start flying and jealousy. And we were at a party a few years ago where a bunch of older men gathered around me and told me how undeserving I was, <laughs> but they weren't joking. It was very serious and angry. And I actually felt like I may not leave with my life. And then on set, uh, when we did this aforementioned sketch about the sexy drifter, mm-hmm. the the premise of the sketch is I'm a I'm a new sexy drifter in town and I'm sexier than this other sexy drifter. Part of the joke is I'm definitely not sexier than this man because this man is six foot six, <laughs> like built like a professional wrestler, <laughs> face like a model, perfect facial hair, long hair. A doctor in real life. And he's a doctor in real life. And this man knows it too. And he constantly would tell me like, hey, I'm the real sexy drifter man. And he, he had like a, he was putting on a bit of an affectation because he, he lived in Atlanta for three months. So he was pretending <laughs> like he had a Southern accent to on set. Maybe he was method acting. Very nice guy, by the way. But, you know, he was into himself. Oh, too. yeah. And he was all over Alex. Like he instead of shaking her hand or introducing himself with maybe a hug, he grabbed her hand and he spun her, was demanding she take a photo with him. And uh, got her Instagram contact instantly. Had her write, my phone number, write her name, phone number, and Instagram handle down within the first ten minutes of meeting her. And then he went around, and you know you have to you have to hide, cover your bases when you're doing something like this. So then he's like, everyone, give me their name and number, because <laughs> if you're just asking the beautiful women on set you might get flagged as being one of those types of guys. So you want to act like, no, I'm getting everyone's number. So. I try to get in there and put my name, phone number, and Instagram handle right after yours. Because your last name you put was Cunningham. Same last name. My last name is Cunningham. But he looks at me and then you and he's like, ha, ha, uh, this must be a family affair, he said to me later. <laughs> I'm like, family affair? Oh, he thinks that's we're my brother and sister. We're brother and sister. So I'm tr- I'm going around and I'm like, oh, I've got a lot of my friends on this. And I'm waiting <laughs> to tell that you're my wife because then I actually want to. But I want to do it like casually of to course. act like I'm not trying to shoehorn it in. But then I got called away for 10 minutes and I came back and he was just different. And he's like, oh, so that's your wife, eh? And <laughs> someone told him somehow he must have done some reconnaissance mission and uh, yeah, then he started going after an, another one. I say going after. This guy was obviously suave and charming and I think n- has never been rejected in his life. Definitely but not. But he just approached... Alex, calm down. <laughs> Chill out. Can't. I haven't been rejected that much either. Mind you, I've never actually approached a woman out of fear of what could happen. But um, so then there was another woman who looks a lot like you. Everything's yeah. the same. And then he was talking to her well then there was a third woman who also looks like me and that other woman that he was also talking to yes um okay in another life serious question here i don't i didn't mean to cut you off but i'm so curious would you have been interested in a guy like that a guy like that you mean a six six doctor yeah with movie star looks but you know (laughs) he's a little full of himself but you know what no what in another lifetime. But not if I was married. 
Oh, so you just, it, you, okay. <laughs> so let's say I'm this like cool guy on set. He's a cool guy on set. We're both gunning for you. I don't like his personality though. But whose personality do you like mine? Oh, I'm like so attracted to yours. You have a, mag- a magnetism mm-hmm. that he doesn't have. Let's say. He has a, like, like you kind of pity him because of. Our vocal cords are fried. <laughs> we just can't speak. We can only communicate like with our like, facial. Ex- no, not grunts. Facial expressions. Like with the body language. Body language. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's the laughter? I'm confused now. Something funny? Well, I'd like to see you trying to convey emotions of like love and desire with body language. Because you can get awkward sometimes. Me? Yeah, like you've got like a, a yeah, way of moving. That's part of my charm. I thought you said you're like, oh, you have like anti charm, and that's it what... is. But okay. it's all it's everything together. But here's the thing: I think that in any lifetime, I'd like to think anyway that I'd always feel this magnetism to you mm-hmm. because it is very unique to anything I've ever felt for anybody before. So I'd like to think that in any lifetime. I'd still have that feeling and that push towards you. Okay. But you don't think I'm ugly, right? Shane, I think you're so hot. I tell everybody how hot I think you are. Everybody at the campfire. I was looking at you with a smile on my face and you're like, why are you mean mugging me across the fire? I do not talk like that. I've never <laughs> said the word mean mugging. This is a paraphrase at best. Everybody stopped their conversations and looks. And you just caught me in a moment admiring you. So then I had to tell the whole campfire. Shane, I just think you're sexy, and I'm just looking at you with love. And then it was kind of embarrassing, but also kind of not. I think you're hot, and everybody freaking knows it. Well, I'm jealous of the six-foot-six guy that you'd be lusting after if my vocal cords were fried. (laughs) I'll admit it. Uh, No, but I'd be lusting after you first. Okay. Oh, one last thing. I got an email today because I'm back at work checking emails. Yeah. And you know the woman who recognized us walking? Yes. Her husband emailed me. No way. And he wanted to say, his name's Jamie, and he wanted to say that his wife heard that episode. What was her name? Do you remember? I'm bad with names. But I I do remember Jamie, the husband. And he was saying that uh, she was a little offended. No. Not offended. Maybe she she was upset that that it hurt me that I felt invisible. That she only focused on you, and this happens to me quite a bit. But I want to let her know that I tend to exaggerate things on the on the microphone for comedy, as you can hear the laugh from the background. But uh, I was not actually hurt, and I understand that Alex is the face and magnetism of the 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 content and everything. But Jamie made me feel good. He's like, you count too, and you're <laughs> so important, cute. which somehow it made me feel worse. <laughs> Just <laughs> the fact that someone needs to tell me. I'm kidding, Jamie, of course. I felt great. It was great to connect with someone via email. It was a nice surprise too, because I was wondering, how did this man get my email? But he he works within the company. Within your company? Yeah, he does like, um, I don't want to say what he does, but he does work. Uh, you had me going for a second. I was feeling really awful for a split second that we somehow offended the listener in our recounting of the story. I always manage to somewhat offend someone. Anytime hate, I'm retelling any encounter. Yeah. Well, it, it's just I, I hate offending people, but I feel like I feel like we do it kind of frequently, like with our satirical videos and whatnot. Yeah, but when you're telling a story about something that happened in mm-hmm. real life. To make it funny, 
you almost have to somebody's got to be the winner or the loser of the story or someone has to be described in a way that yeah. is funny and to be funny you have to put i don't know it's a bad way of speaking and i want to figure out a new way of comedy well i i can attest to that because when we first started dating, you chronicled our entire experience, like everything on your other podcast, which was Mike on Much at that time. Mm-hmm. And there were moments where I was like pissed off. I was like, Shane, that's not how it went down. Like you're making me look like a bad guy. And you're like, oh, it's for comedy. And then it didn't make the stories better. And I don't think guy. you ever made me up to look like a bad guy per se. But I just think. Well, I think everyone sees situations and they rationalize why they're acting a certain mm-hmm. way. So when it's, I, I know when we get into arguments, you always, what do you say? You say the funniest thing when we get. No, in. it's it's um, you always you always win. I, no, I, no, what you say is you go every time we're arguing, you always think you're right, and it's like that's the nature of the arguing. It's two people with opposing views, and both of them think they're right. Of course, if I'm arguing you, I think I'm right. Otherwise, there wouldn't be an argument. No, and why I say that is because it's like I feel that I am more likely to try to see things from your perspective and be empathetic, whereas I think you are just so The reason you set. can't look me in the eye right now is because you know that's a lie. I'm looking at you in the eye. Now you are. And I think... <sighs> You could never say that isn't the least true thing you've ever said. I think that I can be more empathetic in an argument and I'm staring at you in your pupils. You're more empathetic than me. I'm Mr. Empathy. I'm Mrs. Queen Empathy, Shane. Okay. Well, with that, let's talk to who's our. I'm bad with names. We have Dr. Simran Seti. And again, an interview that you want to listen to. So I hope you guys learn as much as I did. But before we get to this, let's let everyone know who we are supported by. We are supported by the Miku Pro Smart Baby Monitor. This is the most accurate sleep and breathing monitor that you can probably get your hands on. How do you know, Alex? Because we have been through a lineup of monitors. And not only is it like the most accurate one that, you know, tells me right away when things are going wrong, kids are crying, whatnot. But it just works better than any of the other ones we've used. That makes sense. Like we brought it camping this weekend and we had it over by the campfire while the kids were in the tent. It's kind of like how you can never find a good printer. It's hard to get that perfect monitor. And I think Miku is it. Yes. What I love about it too, and especially when the kids are really young, is that the monitor uses this thing called sensor fusion technology. So this is what works with your phone to, you know, alert you to changes to your baby's vitals and nursery conditions. But it's like a military grade sensor. So the monitor doesn't need something that's like attached to your kid, like a lot of other smart monitors to Ugh. tell it what's going on. Right? Yeah, I don't like something attached to my it seems annoying to attach to my <laughs> Yeah. I didn't even know that was a thing until we started doing these ad reads actually. Plus there is crypto security and that's just another word for no hacking. Sorry, nerds. The monitor also offers just like amazing HD video and photo. It has great night vision, better again than any other monitor I've owned. And there's custom dual Ole Wolf speakers and a two-way microphone. So this means that Miku not only plays like original sleep sounds, lullabies, but you can talk to and comfort your baby or your screaming four-year-old when they're trying to get out of bed. Lucy, back in bed is a common thing you will hear me saying over a Miku. If you were a hacker, but hackers can't. <laughs> so go to MikuCare.com and use the promo code 
family tree 10 to get 10% off. That goes a long way on a big ticket item like this. This is for US only. And again, that is MikuCare.com and family tree 10. But we are also supported by Bravado Designs. Bravado Designs makes amazing nursing bras. And I mean, so many aspects of nursing and postpartum are so difficult. You may as well go for a bra that's at least going to make the process a little easier. Preach into the choir. When I was nursing, Lucy and Betty for that matter, it was literally probably the only thing that I could wear on my boobs because they were so raw and, and painful. What about nipple tassels? Definitely not. No. And the other thing is that I just found them practical. Mm. Like the clips seemed easy. And I also had one that just kind of pulled down nice. I don't know. They were great. They were comfortable. And now I'm living large because they have their everyday collection. So these are not bras for nursing women with clips. These are bras for anybody with no clips and just meant for everyday wear. So they look great under a t-shirt. It's the same quality and the same comfort that you fell in love with it with their nursing collection. We're really leaning into no clips. Why? Are clips very annoying? Well, you don't want clips in a bra if you're not nursing. Mm. You don't want to, you know. No clips. <laughs> I get it now. Unless you have another reason you need to whip those boobs out for real quick. But I was just going to say that. You can get the nursing bras at bravadodesigns.com and you can head to the Canadian website for access to the everyday collection at ca.bravadodesigns.com. But regardless of which website you go to, use the promo code thisfamilytree20 for 20% off. Again, that is bravadodesigns.com and thisfamilytree20. And now let's get to our interview with Dr. Seti. Well, Simran, welcome to This Family Tree Podcast. It is so nice to have you here. I like... I feel like I've been on a journey that started when I was in my late 20s to finally start learning about skin and skincare and take really good care of myself in that regard. Because I did not, like, my 20s was all me falling asleep with my makeup on, not washing my face. My teen years was me not using any moisturizer because I was scared that it would give me pimples. And I'm finally seeing the faults of all my ways. And I really love speaking with people like you who are so knowledgeable. So if you could give us a background, because you have several things that you do in the skincare world. Uh, so if you could give us your background in what the companies that you do in the podcast and everything. Of course. So I'm actually an internal medicine doctor by training. And I, um, I spent a lot of my time working in the hospital, um, taking care of acutely ill patients. But one of the other things I did at the time was I, I just didn't feel that that was my calling in a way. I mean, I, um, I, I wanted to help people. But um, I also, while I was working as a physician, did an MBA at the Wharton Business School. And that, I think, really was a, a time where it, it opened my mind and uh, made me realize that there are so many other ways of pursuing your passion, helping people, and so forth. And when I was working and then when I just finished my residency training, the medical spa industry had uh, was just starting to gain momentum. And basically, I, I was um, and, and I thought, OK, at that time, people thought medical spas were things that people, as they get older, will go in for, um, and get anti-aging treatments. But um, I've met a few colleagues and and I started getting more interested in treating my skin. And I also, like most teenagers, had acne and it actually got worse when I went to college. But because I'm a person of color, my acne, when it went away, it left behind dark spots 
stars. And I'd never really gotten to a point where I felt that those um, were were light enough where I, I felt com- uh, comfortable without wearing makeup. And, and I never had time to wear makeup or wear it properly, I guess, or learn how to put it on properly. So I was very interested in, um, you know, solving this problem. And as I went to dermatologists, medical spas, I realized that no one is trying to solve this problem because it's actually a really tough problem to solve. But at the same time, it also got me interested in the medical spa industry. So um, back in 2018, I decided to open my own medical spa. And that has been just a very adventurous journey. I think it has allowed me to do what I really, really enjoy. But um, it's also allowed me to practice medicine and learn how to treat a certain uh, certain skin tone. Mm -hmm. So you specialize in treating uh, people of color because the melt. And here's the thing. I am so far from even knowing my own white skincare routine. I, I I don't even know the part that melanin plays in this. So if you could give us, yeah, a little background on that. We are all born with the same amount of melanin, believe it or not. But the our, the activity of our melanin is different. So okay. the darker, the more active your melanocytes are. So you have more pigment. And pigment sits in the more, more superficial layer of our skin, which means that when someone with your skin, with your complexion, who is lighter, who can't, doesn't produce a lot of melanin, gets a cut on your skin, well, as would happen if you had a pimple, or, or gets a little burn with a laser treatment, or, or you know, using a harsh chemical product. Um, your skin does not have a lot of melanin producing activity, so you will just heal from it and you won't have any dark spots left. Now, if you have more melanin, that melanin really starts overacting and 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 then you have basically that that insult that skin insult would heal but it would leave behind a lot of pigment and melanin is very protective so it's very good to have melanin which is why people who are lighter tend to have a greater tendency to form fine lines earlier in life while uh, people who are more melanated don't because melanin actually will filter UV rays from entering to the dermis, which is the next, the deeper layer of your skin. It has its benefits. And so this is also, for people with lighter skin complexions, a good case for sunscreen. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> very, very early on. And you, and you know what? Another, an, another thing is that um, a lot of people ask, when is the right time to start doing anti-aging treatments? Honestly, it's when you haven't aged yet. So, mm-hmm. and we're so lucky that just in the last 10 years, there are so many better options in skincare. There are so many better options in skin treatments that don't have downtime. They're more um, accessible in terms of cost mm-hmm. that we can do the, uh, you know, we can anti-age earlier. But if you have lighter skin, I think it is something to think about and incorporate, at least when it comes to skincare. Mm-hmm. Um very early on. So my personal ethos when it comes to skincare and aging and everything is to embrace aging Mm -hmm. and lines and things like that. And it's, it's so hard, but I really want to be able to get myself to a place where I can do that. My current um, idol in this field is Paulina Poroskova. Mm -hmm. She's my favorite in that. And, you know, everybody has, and this is something that I, I broached on the podcast a lot, everybody has their own personal line of what they want to do to achieve the aesthetic that they want because that's what it comes down to. My personal line is I think at like skincare treatments without 
and my line may change, but right now it's without uh, filler, Botox, anything surgical. So if I'm looking at skincare treatments, and that's kind of where Paulina draws her lines too from what I gather. What do you think? Because it's overwhelming. Oh my God, it's overwhelming. I look like I was going to book myself a facial this weekend because mama needs a break. But I was looking at like the list, like the menu, and I was like, <laughs> I, know, I, right? <laughs> I didn't know what to do. And I was like, what's best for my skin? I don't want to like do something that's going to make things worse. And I don't really have any issues. I just want to hydrate mm-hmm. and brighten. What's a good thing that you know, anybody can go and get and it's going to do them good. Like, you know, just a kind of go-to winner. So, so, um, I think it's, it's sort of a two pronged strategy. I, I agree. You know, I have, uh, I have three offices and I have access to all the Botox and fillers in the world. Right. But I don't do it, but I don't use them yet because I have, I have sort of, um, I, 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 I'm very similar to you where I, what I do enjoy doing is collagen boosting. And that's, that's what I would say is, is what's in. And I think it's the best way to treat your skin because um, when you increase the turnover of your skin, increase the amount of collagen you have, or the ability to make collagen, actually, you are going to have healthier looking skin, stronger skin that will naturally not age as fast as it would if you weren't doing anything. So when it comes to that, and so your question was, well, what could we be doing? I like facials because facials every month will increase your product, your skincare product absorption. So while they are relaxing, they're luxurious, but um, when you go in for a facial, ask for the, the following basics. Are you going to steam my face and do extractions, um, which are great? And um, get a microderm abrasion because what that does is it sort of scrapes off that top, that dead skin layer of your skin. So your skin will look polished, but most importantly, it will allow your skin to absorb the maximum amount of skincare product that you apply for the next, you know, three to four weeks. That it so, lasts so it, that long? It does it. So because you, because, you know, as you, uh, every day we make new skin. So or just think about how much buildup you're creating. It's microscopic, but it is interfering with the absorption of all those expensive skincare products you're applying. Mm-hmm. So yes, of course, by, by by week number three and four, you're going to have more buildup, but you would have spent a good you know few weeks of really allowing your products to penetrate into the deeper layers of your skin. This is what I need. This is what I need to know because it it is kind of overwhelming to go and book something because I don't want to do something wrong. I don't, and it's a lot of money. I don't want to spend my money on something that yeah. isn't going to actually benefit me. And again, I am willing to spend a little bit of money as long as it's going the right thing because like I don't I don't wear much makeup, so I don't spend money on expensive makeup. But I am happy to spend money on things that is that are going to keep my skin healthy. And then, you know, the other thing, so let's say you do a facial for a few hundred dollars every month, right? That's great. And then the other great thing for all, uh, every men and women, honestly, is every three to six months, consider going to a medical spa and getting a micro needling treatment or a laser resurfacing treatment. Um, you're going to walk out of this treatment um, with your skin. Your skin is just going to look a little pink. And literally next day, you're going to go back to normal. Okay. So there's no time. What are these? What is, what does a laser treatment do? What, yes, what yes. is this? So so, so um, I'm a big fan of something called Pico Shore Laser. It's 
uh, it's available um, all over the world. So what PicoSure Laser does is it delivers energy. So not light energy, not heat energy. It delivers energy very fast into the dermis of the skin, the deep layer where all of our skin action occurs, where we make our collagen, our elastin, and it blasts it. And by doing that, it creates a reaction to create uh, make uh, make you create new skin faster. So you know if you if you look at a child, right? If they get a little bruise or a bump, they they repair it within literally a day. But if you get a um, if you get a cut on your skin, it'll take you a few days to repair because their cell turnover is so much higher. So this is what it's doing. It's mimicking that. When you get a PicoSure laser, it's going to stimulate you to make new collagen from the inside out. And all this new skin is going to develop and come to the surface. But it happens kind of gradually. So after the laser treatment, your skin is just going to look a little pink. Literally within a few hours, it'll go completely back to normal. And in a week, your friends are going to say, you look so radiant did you do something and and you're gonna say well i was just drinking i'm just drinking more water i, I take green tea now so <laughs> so it's, it's it's literally that easy mm-hmm. and honestly when and then the other thing is price point right it, it things don't have to be that expensive and that's one of the best things i think ha- that have happened in aesthetic dermatology is that because we have gone from having, you know, 15 years ago, people would have to have general anesthesia to get a peel on their skin because oh, wow. it was so intense. Um, and you could only do it in the context of getting plastic surgery. To now, we deliver treatments that take 30 minutes. The client walks out the door. They can go back to work. But yes, you have to do more treatments. It's not one and done. However, Something like PicoSure laser or microneedling, which I'll describe to you in a minute, you can do every three to six months. It's going to cost you anywhere from $500 to $800. But every three to six months, I think, you know, if you think about how much money people spend on makeup, I would say that if you didn't spend that money and you spent it on this, you're, you're, you, you have a much greater investment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the microneedling, is that the same as the vampire facial that I see? It is, it is. Well, so microneedling, there are different kinds. So the vampire facial is like a more upgraded microneedling. The plain microneedling is where we numb your skin with a very heavy numbing cream for 30 minutes and then use a device that it kind of looks like a motorized pen. And it has this cartridge in it that has uh, multiple needles, like 14 needles. And these needles will make these little micro uh, channels in your skin. So we're going to drive it on your skin. Um, It's very comfortable. All you're going to honestly feel is like vibration. And And what the vampire facial does is So in the vampire facial, your blood is drawn and it's spun in a centrifuge so that we can isolate your plasma, which is very rich in growth factors. And so now we've made these micro channels, which just by doing microneedling and making those micro channels, your skin, um, it triggers your skin again to produce new skin, new collagen. But by adding adding your plasma, you are really driving up that um, response. And, and, and when it comes to skin of color, I like it because I, it really helps in quietening down in a very natural way, the excess pigment production mm-hmm. or the abnormal pigment, uh, pigment production. Okay. See, that's fast. I love this kind of stuff. And I think 
for me, there was a big fear when it came to like peels and things like that. Like the most I've done in regards to a peel, I like the um, Dr. Dennis Gross peel. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. But I was really scared because I know my aunt, uh, her and my uncle, they were doctors in LA for a very long time, like medical doc- physicians. And they, you know, because they're in the industry, I guess, and they had a lot of money, they were able to do a lot of like treatments to their skin. But my aunt ended up getting these peels like 15 years ago. And they've completely destroyed her skin. And she's now incredibly red and she's got really terrible rosacea. And like you were saying, the treatments have changed so much where now it's not like a one and done, which obviously went wrong with her, but they're shorter, they're safer. Mm-hmm. And exactly. they, they just seem more accessible too. They they absolutely are. You know, um, you don't have to go in and spend three, four thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Yes, I mean they're not cheap. I I, yeah. I totally understand. But at the same time, um I, I like to, you know, somebody comes to me and, and they're they're ready to buy a $250 facial. Um I'd say, well, why don't you do a five hundred dollar micro needling instead? Right. Oh, that okay. uh, because with a facial, yes, you're improving your um, product penetration, you're polishing off your um, this dead skin cell layer, but you're not stimulating collagen. And when you stimulate collagen, you're going to start erasing fine lines, you're going to make your skin stronger, so less susceptible to aging and forming lines. If you have any pigmentation, um, you know, sun damage, it's going to also start erasing that. So you get so much more out of it. Okay. But, but yeah can do a lot more. It's just more gradual and more sessions. But then again, with there's no downtime. So it's 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 so much easier to do. So if I'm coming up to you and I'm like, Simran, what do I do? Do I spend that, let's say 150, because that's how much I'd spend on a facial? Or do I do microneedling? And it's got to be one or the other. What would you tell me? So like I, for my skin, like light complexion and this is like me with a mm-hmm. summer tan and fine lines but again not too worried about them but I just I want my face to be more because I find that unless I'm on top of it I'm not like glowing so I want to be glowing so what can I do and what would you recommend for me to be glowing I would 100% say do your do the microneedling okay because your, your facial will, yes, you know, you'll look a little hydrated for a day or two. Is it going to make a long lasting change, which is, which you are going to actually, a change that will make you less susceptible to damage, you know, over the next, you know, six months that uh, no, it won't do that. And so, and microneedling will. And the next question I would ask is, are you going somewhere important tomorrow where you have to wear makeup and look right? Because you are going to be, you are going to be a little pink, especially around the cheeks. Um, after microneedling, I do recommend that people just for 24 hours, don't wear any makeup, you know, just let their skin breathe a little bit. After that, it's fine. PicoShare laser is a little easier. You can actually wear makeup because we're not breaking skin, but no, yes. In that context, I would say you do the microneedling. Okay. This is so good to know. And then as an internist yourself, you know, what we eat, and we've spoken about this before on the podcast, is so important, what we put in our bodies for what we see outside, right? And I want to ask, because again, skincare, you know, the majority of my listeners are women in their 20s, 30s, 40s, a lot of them with kids. So a lot of us are not putting money and time away for ourselves. So I'm trying to think of things that we can do daily to help out. And if we're talking about collagen, 
you see so many collagen products on the market. Do they work? And if so, which one works best? So collagen does work, mm-hmm. but it's a helper. Okay. And um, it's not going to, you know, cause a cause a very noticeable transformation, but actually it does work. However, the bioavailability of collagen powders is much better than pills. Okay. So that's for the uh, the first thing. So if you're going to buy if you're going to buy collagen, use the powders. And the um, the other thing is consistency, taking it every day. But but collagen actually does a really noticeable job with hair growth and nail strengthening. So I think, you know, over there, it's actually very obvious that it is helping collagen powders. Yes. The the other thing that I'm a fan of, and I think it's actually so appropriate for your skin type is taking a supplement called HelioCare. So HelioCare is a fern extract. So it's an herbal, but what it's found to do is reduce UV damage in real time. So, you know, you're a busy mom, you have, you don't have time to, you know, to do very much in the morning, but if you can take a HelioCare supplement, it'll give you sun protection and you would still wear sunblock, but it's going to give you a lot more added protection for the entirety of the day. Um, people who are in dermatology, people who are prone to skin cancers are on HelioCare for their entire life. I take HelioCare because I, I have three offices, so I drive quite a bit. I have to drop my kids to school and all of that. And so I am getting a lot of exposure. So, so yes, yeah, so that I think when it comes to vitamins, even though HelioCare is not technically a vitamin, um, that's a great one. And then vitamin D. Vitamin D is very good. You know, this is not not as much for skin, but it actually vitamin D will reduce aches and pains. We should not be spending a lot of time in the sun because we would be damaging our skin. So we then end up not having as much vitamin D production. So if I, I those three, I feel are excellent investments in your um, in your health and in or in you know when you're thinking of what can I do in terms of oral intake mm-hmm. and one is um, reduce your, your dependence on dairy. Dairy does promote, you know, when you look at research studies, dairy has been shown, has shown a direct correlation to increase in breakouts. And that, and if you have teenagers at home, that's actually a very good habit to be in because um, teenagers consume a lot of dairy. And, 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 and if as a household, you reduce the, uh, your dependence on dairy, it, it you know, it's, it's going to help them out too. Mm-hmm. No, that that's really good to know. And what you said about collagen helping with nail growth and hair growth, two super important things for me right now. I recently got my hair like burned off at a bad hair appointment. I just went in for a highlight and on the inside of my hair just broke, broke, broke everything. And then I have lupus. So I'm right now, like it, you know, it comes up in different ways that I'm unfamiliar with. And every time I get a flare up, it's like it affects a different part of my body. And for the last six months, and I've never dealt with this before, it's impacting my nails and my toenails have been, which I like, I'm a pedicure woman. And if there's one self-care thing I'm doing at a salon, it's getting bi-weekly pedicures. Like that's my thing. But my toenails are now splitting like three quarters of the way down. So I'm having to glue them so the whole nail doesn't fall off. And it's like my nail strength is just kaput. So I've been taking omega-3s, like fish oils. If you're going to take a fish oil, the fish oil for hair that works very well is krill oil. Okay. So yeah. Krill oil supplements. And I like the krill oil supplements at Costco because they don't have an aftertaste. 
So um, is that the so blue it's, bottle? It's it's a red color bottle. Okay. It's the it's their Kirkland brand. It actually does. It's like one of the few ones that doesn't have that weird kind of aftertaste. So krill oil is excellent for hair um, strengthening and hair quality. So that de- definitely also helped your nail. But when you um, start taking collagen powder, I would say take at least twenty grams of protein. Mm-hmm. Usually, in in most pro- uh, in most brands, that's about two scoops, and um, nothing less than that. And, and, and you will see actually in, in as early as like a week um, improvement in your nails and hair. Okay. I hope every, I hope the listeners all have their pen and paper out and are writing down these facts or at least going to go back and listen and write things down because that's what I have to do after this interview. But can you just tell me, Simran, like what collagen can I buy? Because again, I'm somebody that gets very overwhelmed with choice. I know, I know. And there's so many, and the, you know, the price points are so different. You know, like what is this gold collagen? Because it's like, it's I don't crazy. get it. Like how much better can one be than another? But yes, just tell me what one to buy. Take the guesswork yeah, you out. Know, again, this is a Costco. You can tell I go to Costco quite frequently, <laughs> but they're, they're, they have this blue bottle. It's called the Vital Collagen. Um, you can get it anywhere. So it's called Vital Proteins. And it's this blue color um, collagen powder and it's a bovine collagen, not a marine collagen. And, you know, a lot of people, so that's the other thing a lot of people wonder about, right? Is it better to take marine collagen versus bovine collagen? Well, if you're very, you know, if you absolutely do not want to consume any bovine or cow products, then marine collagen would be the option. The only problem is marine collagen has a taste. It has a fishy taste. Versus bovine collagen is completely neutral. It doesn't have any taste. So what what I a good way of consuming it is um, take a big one of those um, you know those big thermoses, put some hot water in it, put some green tea or lemon, your two or three scoops of collagen powder, and and within like even while you're driving within the first hour of your day, you can consume all that collagen. But I like the vital proteins one because it doesn't have a taste. It, you know, easily blends into whatever you put it into. And it's a very quality collagen. Okay, this is so good to know because I do need to go and do a big shop. I need to get all the things because I just finished breastfeeding. So now I can start doing like you know, some kind of like light peels or retinol. I can do collagen again. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so excited. And, and you know, it's like you said, it's it's so difficult as a mom because you are, you know, you're, you're breastfeeding. So you're trying to make sure or, or you're pregnant, right? And you're trying to keep as much away from exposing yourself from as much as possible. Um, and and uh, but but you know what? At the same time, if you're let's say if you're planning to have another child, right, you're in between children or pregnancies and you're saying, OK, um, can I do anything for my skin? You can totally do um, any of these treatments. Even if you're like, well, I'm trying to get pregnant. Should I completely stop? Not really, because they're so safe. Um, you're you're not going to expose your pregnancy to anything adverse. Mm-hmm. And okay, so I recently, recently, as in like three days ago. So we're filming this TV show. I told you about that off the top. Yeah. And like Shane needs me for random. My husband Shane, he needs me for like random things. Like I don't know. I'm just kind of helping out in the background, but like as a part of the crew, but then, you know, he'll just be like, Alex, I need you to do these lines. I need you to be this character. And then I got to hop in and be on TV. And like, I'm never like camera ready, but I'm going to now have all these random parts in this show. And I broke out like crazy last week. I just finished my period. My skin was still kind of freaking out. And I knew I had a line coming up, like speaking part. So I popped freaking idiot. And 
I didn't even just pop it, Simran. Like I took a pin because I had what is it? Million? Like you know when you get those like white? Yes, I took a pin because I'm like I'm not gonna squeeze this out, and I tried to get it out. I got the stuff out, but then I was left with a scab. So I'm freaking out. I'm like, what can I do to help healing? And now I want to go over three weird mythical skincare things. And I want you to myth bust these or tell me if they would actually work. So what I used this week, I was like, okay, when my kids who are very rashy get a bad diaper rash with open sores, I put on zinc diaper rash cream. So I'm going to put that on my open sore pimple that I just demolished, put it on, Simran, it helped. Like, I have now been using it for like as a spot treatment at nighttime for my breakout for the last three days. And like, I know you can't see on this because it's kind of fuzzy. It helped. Am I crazy or is there something to this diaper rash cream? <laughs> Zinc oxide is really just a barrier. So I think that maybe you were just naturally recovering from your break- breakout. The, the what really helps is getting a one of the, those acne spot treatments. They're usually a very high dose of salicylic acid, mm-hmm. uh, and and because you need to just, just kind of sort of like you know deliver this high dose. And what that's going to do though is it is going to make that area really dry, which the zinc oxide was probably helping with. So it'll make that pimple get kind of come to the surface, not become as big as it could have been and get dry, become a scab and slough up. So it'll speed up that whole process. Um, So I think when you put your zinc oxide on after you had, you know, popped your pimple, it probably was helping dry that skin, um, that area up and not promoting more oil production there to make it kind of resurface. So, so I think it may have helped with that, but in general, um, an acne spot treatment will, make any, if you were going to have a bigger pimple coming up, if if, you know how you can just feel a pimple is starting, right? Yeah. So as soon as you feel that and you start using a spot treatment, you know, even like twice a day and there are spot treatments that are clear, they don't have to be the white ones that, you know, that everyone can tell you're trying to heal from a pimple. So apply that um, two or even three times a day and it'll make it, um, it'll turn it into maybe like a small white head which you can actually extract safely without having like a big, you know, scab. Yeah. Okay. Now the second thing, and I'm sorry, listeners, the next two are really gross, but I just, I have to ask. And one of them I have tried, the other one I don't plan on trying, but I was lactating for a year after I nursed my, like after I weaned my first kid and like still lactating now that I've weaned my second. But Again, in a panic situation where I had like an event and I was like, what can help? Like what, this is two years ago now. And I was like, what can help me? Like, I don't know what to put on my skin. I don't have anything, the events tomorrow. And then I start finding these things. It's like breast milk. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to try it. Breast milk as a treatment. And again, I feel like it actually did something. Probably not, but I feel like it did something. Is there anything there? Uh, breast milk has a lot of fats in it. So you probably just got more, um, your skin probably just got replenished in barrier, but you know, there, there are other good substitutes that you could do if you don't have breast milk lying around, but, 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 you know, um, like 
when you re- when you look at all these Eastern skin remedies and, and things like that, a lot of them will take um, milk and put egg in it or, you know, egg yolks mm-hmm. in it and, and put it on the skin. So it's actually what it is. It's, it's replenishing the um, fats in your skin, in your skin barrier. So that's probably what it was doing. All right. We are going to take a quick break and let our listeners know who we're supported by. We are supported by True Earth. And if you listen to this podcast, you know that Shane and I love True Earth. We love taking sustainability in strides and uh, in little strides and, and, and trying to swap things out in our everyday life that we're used to for an item that can help, you know, push us in the right direction. I picked a piece of garbage off the ground today and put it in the garbage. a boy. So one way we're doing this aside from that is by eliminating single-use plastics in the household. And the first thing to go were plastic jugs of laundry detergent and also surface cleaners. You will never see plastic jugs in this household. <laughs> what? <laughs> but with two kids and lots of laundry, right? Like... It was it was pretty bad. There was like a plastic jug graveyard in our laundry room. But we got rid of all that and substituted it for True Earth laundry detergent. So this detergent comes in these pre-measured soluble strips that you simply rip apart and put in your washer. It is so easy. And the best part is there's no plastic. There's no plastic in the packaging. There's no water wasted to actually make this detergent. And because the packaging is so compact, it's like drastically changed the look of our laundry room. It's like the size of an envelope or the thickness of an envelope. Yeah, it's amazing. And we have, what, like three years worth of detergent in there? It's it's mind-blowing, actually. Mm -hmm. It almost seems like you're getting ripped off because it takes off so little space, but you're not. I feel like this should be the detergent brand for those apocalypse people, you know, that that prepare for the apocalypse. Yeah, apocalypse people, I call them. <laughs> so check out True Earth Detergent at true.earth and use our promo code ThisFamilyTree10 to get 10% off your order. Now, this can be a one-time order or a year-long subscription. And that, again, 10% goes a long way there. You will love this product. Take our word for it. And again, that is true.earth and ThisFamilyTree10. But we are also supported by Mini Miosh. Mini Miosh is a premium, organic, ethically made, and sustainable clothing company founded and created in Toronto. Mini Miosh believes in quality over quantity, and they make, I'm telling you, the best basics that you can buy for your kids. And they have one of the hottest new models on the scene. Oh, don't make me are blush. You, are you shooting with them on Friday? Yeah. Oh, nice. There you go. I know. So, I mean... You know, we'll see how it goes, but <laughs> I am going to model for their new women's collection, which is the M and West collection. So when you used to look at your kids wearing mini Miosh and you were like, oh my gosh, I'm so jealous because that is amazing quality. It's sustainable and it's adorable. That is essentially what this women's collection is. Everything is made of French terry. It's simple. It's still ethical and sustainable. And it is like the coziest stuff around. I want to look adorable. You do look adorable. More adorable than Mini Miosh for men. <laughs> but Mini Miosh and Edmund West are on a mission to leave the planet better off for our little ones than when they arrived on it. And they believe that every little bit counts. So you can find the company online at minimiosh.com or at Mini Miosh on Instagram and Facebook. And if you use the promo code ThisFamilyTree15, you are getting 15% off your order. This is available in Canada and in the U.S., and it is one use per customer, so load up your cart. Again, that is minimiosh.com and this family tree 15. And now let's get back to our interview with Simran. Because I know the Kardashians, I think, 
they were talking about it. And like one of them was using the other one's breast milk for her skin at one point. I don't really know because I, I don't watch the show, but my friends were asking me about it. And then that's what got me to use it. Oh, that's, so that's how you- <laughs> Well, I mean, I can see kind of a lot like scientifically what it's doing, but but you, you can actually, you know, before an event, um, you can use a very hydrating sheet mask or a hydrating mask that will help with, you know, sort of because what will make your skin instantly look radiant is actually making it look plump, Mm -hmm. which is by adding fats and, and water to it. And the fats will help retain that water. So, so uh, you know, um, uh, even doing like a, a mask, mm-hmm. not a clay mask, but a hydrating gel-based mask will give you that same glow. And like putting a hyaluronic acid underneath with that kind of... Yeah, so, you know, that's a really, I'm glad you asked that question. So hyaluronic acid is one of those things that I feel like people apply incorrectly because the job of hyaluronic acid is to protect moisture. Because we're warm bodied people, uh, we're warm bodied, right? Mm-hmm. So we are constantly all the moisture or water on our skin is just constantly getting evaporated into the air. Um, just like if we were boiling a pot of water. Now, if you apply hyaluronic acid on top of your moisturizer, that's how you are going to protect your own moisture. So don't apply it below your moisturizer, apply it on top because it's a protectant. It doesn't make your skin plump. It actually protects your naturally occurring moisture or any moisturizer that you apply. Okay. So then if I'm doing a sheet mask, right? Like a hydrating one, mm-hmm. then I'll do that. And then you know how there's always like a re- like residue that you typically like yes. rub in. So then would I put the, I'd like rub that in a little bit where it's still a little bit damp and then put the hyaluronic on top of yes, that. Exactly. Put that, put it on top of that. Exactly. <sighs> exactly. This is yeah. so good. And, this is so good. Okay. And you know, if you have oily skin, so everyone can use hyaluronic acid. In fact, in my, um, in my skincare line, um, which is launching in just a week. Uh, so exciting. Yes. I I'm very excited about that. And, um, it's called skin by Dr. Seti. So very easy to remember, I guess, but hyaluronic acid is in all of our, so, so it's a very system-based line, you know, for oily skin, dry skin, so forth, but it's hyaluronic acid is in each line because if you have oily skin, you are not applying moisturizer, but you're also probably washing your face and your face kind of feels tight and dry. And then within a few hours, you have a whole bunch of oil on your face, right? If you, that's because that you're naturally producing a lot of oil and it's constantly evaporating. So instead, if you wash your face and apply hyaluronic acid, you will see that you are actually going to have almost no excess oil production by the end of the day, because it's just going to hold on to the moisture you're making, signal your body to stop making more oil because it's not losing its oil and water. And it will basically keep you looking, you know, your skin looking dewy, but not overly oily. And, and of course, dry skin moisturizer, after a few hours, you'll notice it, it, it feels like you're not wearing moisturizer anymore, or you need to wear it again. It will also retain your moisturizer if you have dry skin. Okay, so my husband is starring in this show, right? So Mm -hmm. he's the one that's on camera all the time. He has really oily skin naturally. He has a lot of oil production. And 
like constantly like makeup is like right behind the camera and it's like every single cut they're applying more anti-shine stuff and powder to him because he's just like soaking through it it's wild so he has zero skincare routine he's zero he throws water on his face and that's it so would that be beneficial for him it would it totally would he he honestly could wash his face apply hyaluronic acid and that is going to help him produce less oil Okay. So he should buy it. He should take, you should give him your hyaluronic acid. I will. No, 100%. Well, because I want to help him out. I'm his, like, I'm his uh, personal assistant essentially during the filming of this show. So I definitely will do that. I want to help him out. And okay, the last weird skincare thing, and I've already brought this up like 10 times this weekend because I'm obsessed with hearing it. I'm not trying this one. So I just want you to tell me if there's anything to this. And what would be a better substitute? Because again, I'm not trying this, but Lauren Everts, who is a woman that I, you know her? I do know her, yes. So she's awesome, but she is out there. So she was talking this week on her podcast about semen on the face. Now, again, not willing to try this one. Uh, Why would that work? And what is an alternative, like an alternative? And do you have an alternative in your line coming out? Because I'm so fascinated by this too. That's right. Um, <laughs> See you know, uh, I know that's a really good question. Why would it work, right? Well, uh, my uh, understanding or my knowledge of semen is that it ha- it's it's very it's it's kind of like hyaluronic acid, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> it's very lubricated. And it would be a, a very appropriate and easily accessible substitute would be hyaluronic acid. <laughs> easier. Definitely, definitely easier. Yeah, because there's no, you know, semen doesn't have any like special growth factors or anything else. Like it, it really doesn't contain very much else. So it's not right. like you're missing out on any kind of, you know, uh, collagen stimulating, pro- uh, uh, you know, properties of semen. <laughs> <laughs> No, this is good to know. Yes, safely used hyaluronic acid. You know what? I'm so glad to know that there's like not like a miracle substance in it and that it's easily replaceable. I'm so happy about that. That's right. That's right. Exactly. (laughs) Okay, good. And all right. So are you in San Francisco? Where are you from? I am. I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area. Okay. So we're in Toronto. We're in Canada. And uh, we are about to go through massive changing of the seasons. It Mm -hmm. is going into fall and then winter my skin is very it's very reactive to the weather that is around me you know in the summer I get like just sweaty and gross in the winter I get dry what can I do to keep my skin just consistent consistently bright and shiny and in a nice way a nice shine dewy Right, right. You know what? Um, actually, it's it's uh, so funny that we're on the topic of hyaluronic acid, but you do have to alter your skin regimen sometimes in the winter, depending on where you live. So San Francisco is also very dry, actually, mm-hmm. and our, our winters aren't obviously as cold as Toronto, but they're very dry. What was working in the summer may not translate into the winter. And from what you're describing, I would say you have pretty normal skin, which is that it, it changes with the seasons and it kind of behaves like the seasons. And so what's happening in the summer is you're naturally just producing more sebum, more oil. And because it's hot, the atmosphere is hot, you're probably not losing a lot of water. 
but you are putting, producing a lot more oil. So again, putting a uh, washing your face, putting on like a vitamin C or a C serum and not using moisturizer and putting a hyaluronic acid serum on top of that is an excellent way to keep it looking dewy, but not overly oily. Now in the winter, you're going to switch it up and you're going to put a moisturizer below the hyaluronic acid. And that should keep you from getting too dry, still looking dewy. And for people who have very dry skin, they probably want to consider like a vitamin C or some sort of a mist. And, uh, you know, it, it's very much like a setting mist that people use for makeup. Um, you know, keep it, keep it in your bag. And if you have very, very dry skin, your hyaluronic acid will protect your moisture, but adding some extra moisture and letting it set into the hyaluronic acid helps those who have just very dry skin. Um, but most people don't need that. Right. And with your line launching in a week, so exciting. Um, what, what are you most looking forward to? What product? Is there like a thing or are there a few things that you're like, oh, I can't wait for this to hit shelves because people are going to love it? You know, it's my um, retinol lipid complex. So- it's something I have questions about retinols. This is good. Yeah. So retinol is, is, is retinol is like the best invention actually, when it comes to it, it really is, but it has like the, the problem in the retinol is it can be used incorrectly or not enough or too much. And that's when people stop using it. Mm -hmm. So um, I feel like the retinol myth, myth, myth busting is a whole episode. So, so my line is, um, is, uh, you know, I, I developed it and curated it specifically for people of color, but actually I have so many patients like yourself. You said you had lupus, um, in lupus, people with lupus tend to just be more sensitive, um, and more reactive. So excellent line for that, because over-processing of skin is, is becoming, I, I feel like it, I'm seeing it more and more, and that's probably because of social media and just so much saturation in the market. But with retinols, retinols are notorious for making skin very dry. And, and people will use a retinol, then they'll start peeling. Their, their skin's actually going to look worse than it did before retinol, and then they stop using it. And that's because of that drying effect of retinol. Because what retinol is doing is it's increasing your skin cell turnover. So it's trying to stimulate a lot of drying on the surface so that you're going to just kind of peel off these layers. Instead, the, ret the my retinol is a medium strength retinol, which is you know, in studies shown to do as good as the higher strength retinol. So you don't need to go and use a very high strength and it's uh, combined with phospholipids. So it's going to counteract that drying, that redness, that is really what keeps people from using retinol. And it, it, it sort of um, also acts like sort of a night serum. Um, you know, we all need to strengthen our skin barrier with fats and, 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 you know, lipids. So it's replenishing that and it's delivering your retinol. So, so that's what I'm most excited about because I've been using my line in my, in my, um, with my clients in my office for five years now. And it's one of those products that everyone will say, you know, when I apply my retinol the next day, I feel like my skin is so supple and soft. And, and it's not that the retinol I think is working that fast. It, it does, it's gradual, <laughs> the lipids in it that don't. And, and, you know, your husband, he has oily skin. He can use it. That's He's going to get that turnover and he's not going to be oily. That's so good. So yeah, because I, I just started using retinol for the mm -hmm. first time in my life. And it's what the, kind of retinol are you using? 
so I, I want to switch it up because I like it, but I don't love it. I, like I feel like it could do more judging by what I read about retinols and the people that I know mm-hmm. that use retinols use. So I'm using the ordinary one. I was like, you know what? Okay. It's a good starting point because it was inexpensive. I like products mm-hmm. by the ordinary, but I, I'm not like blown away. Right, right. By the retinol. You know, um, if you go, if you use a medical grade line, you know, Skin by Dr. Seti is a medical grade line, but so are lines like Skin Medica, Skin Cuticles, Obagi. Uh, in medical grade lines, uh, the products go through a different approval process. So the FDA, you know, they have to meet FDA standards differently. So essentially, um, the retinol is going to be more concentrated. So you will see an increase in the effect of the retinol. So uh, so when, when you're using retinols, try and stick to medical grade products because it is a pharmaceutical and um, and you want to deliver to the dermis of your skin, um, which is the other thing that differentiates medical versus sort of, you know, over the counter grade products. And, and then a 0.5%, I don't know if your ordinary um, retinol is a 0.5% or a 0.025. I but 0.5, I don't know. Yeah. So there's like um, 0.25%, 0. 0.5 and 1%. I, 0. 0.5 is great because it's sort of the medium concentration. It's going to do much better than the lower concentration, but the higher concentration isn't going to give you much more benefit. So it's a good one to stick with. No, that's so good. And in the higher concentration, there will also be more disruption of the skin too, exactly. right? Exactly. Love to exactly. avoid Yep. And, and, you know, um, like for yourself, that would, what that would look like is you're just going to feel like your skin, like everything feels sensitive. Everything you put on just sort of, um, it feels like it's giving you a little bit of a burning and it'll get a little red. And so you just will not achieve that sort of, you know, healthy state of glowing radiant skin. You're always going to be like peeling and red. Um, and there's no reason for that. There's just no benefit in that. Okay. And the the last question that I want to ask, and this is totally selfish because I have a wedding coming up and then I'm trying to convince Shane to have like a big party when we're done the show where I can dress fancy because like with the past two years being COVID, I have had very few situations where I could actually go all out and I'm dying to Simran. But how can I make my face like, I'm not going to say red carpet ready, but like a big event, mm-hmm. like wedding I guess, I guess the show would essentially be red carpet, like a premiere. Absolutely. How can Absolutely. I look great? <laughs> you know, I would say that if you, so if you could plan this out a month before the event, get a healing treatment. And, you know, you don't have to, if you can, um, you know, pay a little extra and get it with the, the, the vampire facial with the PRP. I, I love PRP. Do a microneedling with PRP or even a plain microneedling a month before. And then uh, I would say a anywhere from a week to three days before get a um, facial with a, um, like a hydrofacial. So it, it kind of uses, it, it sort of like polishes off that dead skin layer, but infuses your skin with serum at the same time. And, and I think that that would make your skin look beautiful by the time you're, you know, at this wedding or, or red carpet. Okay, perfect. It out a little bit. And collagens. I'm getting on that collagen powder ASAP. Yes, collagen powder and krill oil for your hair because um, it really does make a difference. 
Okay, that's so amazing. Simran, thank you so much for sitting with me today. I know some of my questions were out there, but I had to ask. It is an everyday. No, I'm sure there were <laughs> millions of people who had exactly the same question. Right. If That's the thing. There's no wrong question. And if one person's got it, other people are thinking it as well. Absolutely. But truly, thank you so much for sitting with me today. And where can people go to check out your podcast, follow you on socials, and most importantly, check out your new line that's coming out? Yeah. So uh, my podcast is called The Skin Report. And I talk about actually what we were talking about today, skin trends, medical aesthetic devices and, and treatments, and, and of course, skin care. And I also do a, I talk a lot about skin care um, for people of color. And my whole September series is about, so if you're curious to hear about um, how people of color have been represented uh, in skincare, cosmetics and so forth. Um, Underrepresented? This- <laughs> yes, exactly. Underrepresented. Um, it's a, and there's a historical reason for that. So if you're interested at all, it's the skin report available, of course, on Apple, wherever you are, or Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. And my skincare line is called Skin by Dr. Seti. It's on skinbydrseti.com, which is live right now. But but you know, we have a full array of products, but they're very it's a very system-based line because like many people, there's so much confusion about skincare. So this is like, okay, if you have oily skin, this is your, your set of products. Um, and, and, you know, the, the reality is even though there are, even I have my favorite products, there's not one product that a product that does it all. You have to, the whole line is based around the skin renewal cycle and nourishing it at every stage, which is truly how you have a, a um, healthy skin mm-hmm. regimen. Mm-hmm. And which is something I need to get into more because I find that I just go with the trends sometimes and I try things and then I stop and I really need to get like sorted out. You know what I mean? Yes, yeah, sort of, yeah. <laughs> that's a good word for it. Yeah, no, and, and, and you know, it has to be simplified, right? So that that's key. I think it's, um, it can be, I, I see so many people who are like on three exfoliants and I'm like, why are you in three exfoliants? But they didn't know that because one is called glow serum and the other one is called <laughs> appeal and the other one is called yeah radiant skin and you're just like okay no it's confusing honestly and if you're outside of the industry it's like it's a different lingo altogether but Simran truly thank you so so much much for sharing everything you know today I really appreciate it really had a great time me too amazing good interview no great interview oh thank you I thought so too this was a blast but now (laughs) this is the mailbag segment you have taken listener questions Maybe you've Googled answers for them. Maybe you're just going off the top of your dome. But here we are, and I'm along for the ride. All right, question number one. If you could live anybody's life for a short period of time, unspecified amount of time, short period of time, who would it be? And you know what? I saw these questions like a few days ago, and they were just kind of sitting in the back of my mind. I wasn't giving them much thought. And then Shane, I guess you were driving somewhere in the car last night and you turned on, we have Sirius satellite radio. Okay. So you get all the specialty stations. Shane turned on Margaritaville, which is the Jimmy Buffett station. We're not parrot heads, but it is, it's kind of fun to listen to that kind of music, right? You feel like you're on vacation. And then I thought, hey, this is the answer. I want to live Jimmy Buffett's life for a short time period. It's like, he's like the human version of like a golden retriever. You're just all cheeseburger restaurant chains, 
casino chains, tropical vacations, all these like rich middle-aged people that kind of dig you. And you're just kind of partying and singing happy music. What are you even music. saying right now, Alex? You're just saying a bunch of words. You, you, I want to be Jimmy Buffett yeah, for a day. But you said he's Pete's like a burger chain. He, he has his own burger restaurant. Yeah, but keep in mind, he's older. Well, okay, Jimmy Buffett in what, like 82? Why not just be a parrot head in general? Why not be a young parrot head? Because he's rich. And he, he's, the, he's the master of all that domain. I want to be the master of the parrot heads. I want to be the master of all the retired people who live in Florida. I think you're just running a weird bit. And I don't think that's actually what you want to be. <laughs> I think he'd be a great person to be for a short period of time. Really? He has fun. Maybe it's fascinating, I guess, if we're saying, what, 24 hours is a short period? I'd say, I'd say a week. I'd want to live his life for a week. Do a little traveling and... Do you get to feel what that person feels? <laughs> yeah. You do? Yeah. So if they're making love, you feel that? Oh, or you're being si- a weirdo. Oh, no. I'm just wondering every sensation. Sorry. If they get it, I'll rephrase it. If they get a tummy ache, that you feel it. Yeah, that's you. You're just in their life. It's like Freaky Friday. But I mean, do you get to experience things the way they do? Or would you, if you had a tummy ache, would you experience that tummy ache the way you experience a tummy ache when you're in your own body? No, their experience their of it. Yeah. Okay. If that's the case, I would like to be you. <laughs> <laughs> Why? You want to experience my tummy aches? <laughs> no, I want to like... I know what you're going to say. Fuck myself? No. No, I want to... Um, just see what it's like it, because it would be cool to be with you intimately no no not intimacy but just to to get true empathy and to see what it's like to interact with me but then it's weird because if i'm out of my body i can't be in this body so wait you don't want to like be me so that you could see like if you're a good kisser or not all that stuff because well, I think I, that's an interesting take, too. Well, I get to see if you're a good kisser because I kiss you. No, if you're a good kisser. In your body? Yeah. Oh, my head hurts too much for this. I don't see what how that so, works. So, like, if I think you're a good kisser or not. <laughs> oh, I get to hear your thoughts. I can't control you. No, no, no. Oh, I'm just, like, trapped in your skull. <laughs> Is that what happens? I thought I got to control your body. You do. I do? You do. But then you get to see if you... <laughs> Shane, I'm a good kisser and like cuddler and stuff. And you get to see what it's like. Oh, so from I get to end. feel my tongue. Oh. <laughs> Am I a good kisser? Yeah, yeah. Do you know I don't seem like. No, you are. You said, you yeah, are. yeah, like it wasn't. No, no, I'm saying, yeah, 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 because I realized what I was saying made it seem like you weren't. But you are. Mm. But it just might be weird to kind of kiss yourself, but not, but you're not yourself. Yeah. So. I guess you, I think. I don't know. I think you, that's you a good are, answer. That's my choice. I think it would be interesting to be you and like see, like feel all the stuff that goes on in your brain and the things that make you anxious. Yeah. I, I just want to see what it's like to be in a relationship with me. If I still get to like, if there's somebody who can control me on autopilot yeah. and I behave how I normally am, I'd like to just, and then come back to my body and be like, oh, okay, that's why I'm so annoying. This sounds like a super cool experiment. Yes. We should do it in like VR. There's got to be a way to like do something like that. So you admit my answer is better than Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> Stop 
It's a cool answer. I like the possibilities, but I also like the idea of just drinking margaritas on a beach with a bunch of middle-aged people. Okay. I think you can do that at any time. Not as their king, though. Okay, so do you think Jimmy goes out and drinks with them all? No, but he's like the king of his own crowd. I'm I'm done with this question so bad. (laughs) Okay, hold on. Next question. You mentioned you weren't pleased about Shane doing an intimate scene on the show. Do you think it would be different if he was already doing that stuff when you guys met, or would you still feel the same? And then there's part two, which I'll get to. First of all, the intimate scene worked out perfectly because, like, I had parameters. Everybody was like, let's work within those parameters. And then there was zero intimacy. It was like an anti-intimacy scene. First off, (laughs) if that was me doing that scene, in my mind, it was just me doing, like, a biting scene where they don't even use my teeth. I was thrusting in this scene. (laughs) Never in my wildest dreams did I imagine I would be grabbing a woman's hips and having doggy style intercourse with another woman on a camera well because you weren't i i asked the director i was like hey like what do you have planned for the scene and they were going over things that were going to be in it and it was all that alex i would have never done that so you tell me you're worried and you want to choreograph the scene and be your intimacy coordinator it was way more graphic than I would have ever done. Well, that wasn't me. That was me toning it down from where the director had it initially. I'm telling you, though, I would have never had it go that far. Well, to me, look, to me, it wasn't far and it was like fine. And I couldn't believe that we did that scene. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I wasn't because you were there mm-hmm. that I thought you were going to tone it down so much. And it was amped up in for what I would have done on my own. Well, I didn't want any hip grabbing, but I had made so many parameters and I felt like I was impeding the director. So I was like, okay, I'll let the hip grabbing go. Yeah, I, I won't lie. I was a little confused at that one, but good, good scene, hopefully. Well, okay, look, if you were doing that when we had met... Imagine that's how we met. (laughs) Well, it's like in that Christmas movie I hate. Those two people are like stand-ins in a sex scene. In that, what's that movie I hate? Love Actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, But it would be different because I'd know what to expect and I'd have to get on terms with your career and the demands of your career before getting in a relationship with you. So that would be something that I would have had to deal with ages ago. If I would have even, I don't know if I could date an actor Who's doing that kind of thing? I, I honestly don't know that I could with my personality. Like, you, I don't think I could. Do you? Like, I don't think I'd be able to have a long-term relationship with a male actor who, like, had love scenes. I don't know. I only know how you are with me. I would like to assume the passion is so just extreme with me that it's not like that with other people. With your previous boyfriend, you said you were able to go on. Yeah. Vacations and stuff. So that made me feel really special. Like, I must mm-hmm. be so... Uh, irresistible or he something. he was an extra in carrie mm-hmm. the remake and had to slow dance with somebody for like six hours at a thing and i did not care at all if you had to slow dance with somebody for six hours at a thing i would be your personal water bottle holder 30 freaking inches away from you yet you're choreographing doggy style scenes right okay now. it was not like that okay it was not doggy style 
Okay, well, then I don't know the definition of doggy style. I think I've been doing it wrong. What if what have I been doing my whole life? No, but not that I've been doing Shane, that my whole life. This is this is the the director had all these different things planned. Okay, but now you're talking about something different. Okay, you know what? Next question. I feel happy with where it is, and I wish that you and I had talked more about it then, because I could have you even would, toned it down more. Just to be clear, you'd have more of a problem with me slow dancing than doing a doggy style scene. Well. Slow dancing for six hours. Yeah, I wouldn't want you doing that with somebody. Is, that's a lot of time with hands on hips. Okay, you can only pick one. Oh, no. Doggy style for one hour, slow dancing for six. Okay, but there was a foot of air in between you guys when you were doing the doggy style scene. Okay. So is that I was in this blinded. Scenario? I couldn't tell what was and going on. And yeah, there. Shane had a blindfold on as well. <laughs> yes. Okay, it's part of the scene. Go okay. on. Okay. Uh, However, part two, if he was offered a million dollars to do a nude scene, how do you think Shane would do it? No, do you think Shane would do it? If he was offered to do a nude scene just himself with nobody else, like walking down the street or something, I say do it for less than a million. No, but that question's for me. Would I do it? Yes. Yes, I would. <laughs> Next question. The Golden Girls were actually younger than the and just like that cast isn't that mind blowing? What's who's in and just like that? Oh, that's like the remake, the Sex and City remake. So oh, Sarah Jessica Parker. So I looked up the ages, right? Because if you've seen Golden Girls, it's like little old lady style, and just like that, it's hot woman doing their thing, middle age. So the Golden Girls were 52, 62. Betty White was 63 years old, playing a 55-year-old. B. Arthur was 63, playing a 53-year-old. So they are getting women who are 10 years older to play younger characters to make women that are that age seem older. Do you know what I Wait, mean? Wait, that was the plan? That's why they did that? There was Because B, what's her name? Um, B. Arthur's mother in it, Estelle Getty, yes. was younger than her. She was six. Yes, she was 62. She so was six solid, months uh, younger. Yes, yes. But I think the plan, I, I'm not, I didn't look that up, but I think the, the plan is to have, because in Hollywood, especially at that time, there are so few roles for women. It's like you're young and hot or you're like an old hag was is the thought process. Like you can be cast for either one. So the fact that they're getting women that are even older to play women in their 50s, which is a pretty young age, that just seemed odd to me. Because there would have they been... They always do this. Because the idea is actors tend to look after their bodies better than the general population. So if you're do shooting a high school scene, you could get a 30-year-old Tom Cruise and have him play an 18-year-old. That That's what they do. So a woman who's in her 60s in Hollywood probably looks like what a lot of women might look like at age 55 at that period in time because mm -hmm. people were eating differently working out differently like everything was just no less knowledge was going around about how to take care of yourself smoking less exactly drinking everything it's we probably look younger at our ages than our parents did at our current ages oh for sure well like even so looking at the and just like that cast they are like um, Bradshaw is 56, they're 55, 56. Like they're all in their mid-50s playing women that age. Because I think also, like you said, things have changed. Yeah. But yeah, no, that was wild to me to look up those ages and then compare just kind of photos of everything just from how they dress, how they're styled, all of that. But it's also they're trying to hang on to 
the the characters that they started playing too. Mm-hmm. I think easily if they were trying to play different types of characters, like you know Tom Cruise's character in Tropic Thunder, mm-hmm. they tried to make him look different, like a typical older agent who's yep. balding and you know a larger sized person. Mm-hmm. But in Sex and the City, they're continuing from a show that they started when they were in their early to mid-30s and trying to still have that same characterization of how they were, which are fashionistas who are into this and living in New York and living a certain glamorous lifestyle. Golden Girls was just supposed to be, you know, middle America, older women. So this really then has a lot to do with classism too i guess right because like the women in sex and the city are all rich yeah like, so I, I don't rich. know yeah. and just different characters can be different ways and yeah. have different priorities it's there's a lot of rich characters in movies that i think could not care about how they look mm-hmm. so i don't know i don't think everything has to be an ism though does it no 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 not at all and i love your take on it because my first reaction was getting my back up a little bit and be like, yeah, yeah, like that's weird. Why did they make, you know, women in their 50s look so old and crotchety and whatnot? Not crotchety. But uh, I think your take is is really good. And I didn't think anyone looked that bad. Like no, I know not, they're- not that they look bad, just look old. Like they play up like the old look with like, you know, the certain hairstyles and outfits and things Betty like that. Betty White is an, was an old soul. And she, even when she was in her 30s, she just had that voice that my sister is the same way. My sister has an older woman's voice. When I say older woman, I mean almost like a woman in her 70s style voice. Kind of like cracky. Frail. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, next question. Adam Levine cheating scandal. Do you consider flirty texts cheating? This is the first part to this question. Mm -hmm. I think flirty texts cross lines that you don't want to cross. Of course. I think that's bad. Yeah. Of course. No, that's, uh, I would consider it cheating. Yeah. Like I would. uh, Because what's the intent, right? Is the intent to eventually maybe get that person interested, string it along for six months and meet up? Or is the intent to simply even just get your rocks off by having this weird, like relationship with somebody via text. And I think that both, they both have the same impact on the person that's being cheated on. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They make you feel equally as terrible. What if there's only the thoughts being had, nothing's acted on? Well, but there's communication. I know. So you're you're giving yourself an opportunity for Uh action. I know that. I'm not talking about texting or whatever. I'm talking about are even thoughts like that. Let's say you're just always just having thoughts like that, but you're never acting upon it. Is that a weird form of cheating? What do you mean? Like, um, Let's say Adam Levine is yeah. just at home and he's just like, oh, I want to text. And he's just like fantasizing uh, about all the text. And then he just like, I don't know, wails away on himself or something. What is that a weird form of cheating? Because well, I, I don't know, like just having this conversation earlier today when you were talking about sexy drifter and we're debating it all. I had a thought where it was bordering on this feels like cheating <laughs> in, in a way, even though yeah. you're not doing anything, just hypothesizing about another life where we're not married. It just seemed seem like cheaty to me. I'm just wondering what are the limitations of 
what is cheating. I think thoughts would obviously be extreme if we're mm-hmm. saying you're cheating for having a thought or a fantasy or anything like that. But it is still hurtful, I think, if you knew. I think that if you're getting allowing yourself because you do have a lot of agency and people have a lot of agency here but if you allow yourself to continuously get carried away by Mm -hmm. thoughts like that and by like fantasies like that that are outside of your marriage and that's where your mind is instead of with your partner then I think that's an issue that needs to be discussed either with your partner or with a therapist or something and you need to get your mind back on track to like You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Just, I think, for the health of your relationship and, like, how you view sexuality and intimacy within your own relationship. Because I think that could be super problematic, even for the person having those thoughts. Um, But I think that's, like, super detrimental, yeah. Can a hug be cheating if the hug is held for too long? (laughs) I'm trying to find here in this conversation the the line when it's cheating and when it's not. Because I think... Obviously, DMs and all that, that's definitely cheating. But what is one layer removed where it's really gray area? Cause well, I think with all of that, it's nuance, right? Because like... That's what I mean. I want to find that exact... It's like... But I think it's going to be different person to person. Oh, this is just opinion-based. Yeah. No, but like I think you could hug one person and overstay the welcome of the hug and I wouldn't be like, oh, okay, that's cheaty. But then I think you could hug another person and not even overstay the hug and i'd be like oh, okay get get lost you know what i mean so it's like if it's an ant vibe it's like oh that's an ant vibe and then if it's uh yeah. pam anderson circa 1990 it's like oh that's a that's a sexy vibe oh i see yeah i i think what do you think yeah i think if i saw you hugging someone for too long i would start internally combusting depending on who it was <laughs> if it was my dad i probably wouldn't get as jealous if it was the sexy drifter i, I didn't hug him I know, but even the absence of a hug felt like cheating. Because, like, why not just hug him? Is there some unspoken thing where you're trying to hide it by not hugging, which in a weird way puts a spotlight on it? I mean, he hugged everybody else. Did he? No, I'm just creating a hypothetical. (laughs) Okay. There's a part two to this question. Do you think that Adam should be the only one to be blamed as he's in the relationship, or should some blame be put towards the other woman? What other woman? Like the uh, Sumner, the girl that Adam Levine allegedly had the affair with. So this is beyond the texting. So this is the woman that he actually had the affair with who knew that him and Bahati were married and had a couple kids. So I got in this conversation recently and initially I was in agreement with, no, the blame is solely on Adam. But then I was thinking, hold on, like, isn't the goal... Or shouldn't the goal be, if we're trying to be good people, to, like, treat everybody with dignity and respect, right? Do you agree with that? Yes. But then if you're the other person in a relationship and you're knowingly having an affair with somebody who's married and has kids, whatever, you are not treating – even if you don't know that partner, like, even if you don't know the wife, you're treating that wife – with so much disrespect and no dignity because you're actively deceiving that person every day. So they haven't done anything to you to, you know, have you be so into deceiving them every day with this affair you're having, but you're doing that. So I think that again, because of the agency there and the choice you have to make to say, okay, I'm going to sleep with that person's husband today or wife today, and I'm going to make sure that that person doesn't find out about it. 
that's so deceptive and that's so disrespectful. So I think that they're, you know, the majority of the blame is on Adam. Obviously, he's the one in the relationship. But then I also think that there is a little bit of maybe not blame, but just like there's not that's shitty of that other person to be so disrespectful, I guess, towards somebody that they might not even know. I don't know. It's it's like I, I think you'd probably assume, oh, if Adam Levine's doing this to me, he's probably doing it to other people. Are these people going to win any morality awards? No, but I wouldn't even put them in the same conversation as blame. I just don't think mm-hmm. it's the moral right thing to do. It's like, let's say everyone was looting and you see Adam Levine looting. He just grabs a VCR <laughs> out of it. And you stand there and you don't do anything. And it's like, oh, don't you think she should have called the police and said that Adam Levine was looting? It's like, I don't know. Everyone else was stealing a bunch of stuff. I'm sure it's just it's the moral thing to do would be, hey, don't take that or something Mm -hmm. or tell someone or not. But I don't think you'd blame that person and put them in a looting category. No, not. and, And this is with the blame. I don't think it's blame, but I do think it's really shitty. And I I don't think yeah. that person should get away unscathed, per se. Can you say that? You, so, you sound <laughs> unscathed. like... Unscathed. Sorry, I said that. I had a brain aneurysm midway through. Uncut jams. Unscathed. <laughs> you know, the podcast is going late at night when you start sounding like Julia. It is um, 9.22, yeah. It's late for us. Okay, we're going to do one more question. Sir, finish your thought, though. Don't just say unscathed and then don't finish the thought. <laughs> well, I forget where I was going with it now. I had you the were aneurysm. saying she shouldn't go unscathed. Mm-hmm. What should happen to her? What's the appropriate punishment? Nothing. I just don't think that she should be going and saying, well, you know, I'm because I think she's really laying on the I'm innocent and all of this thing. And I've I've. When I was young, when I was in my late teens, I was dating somebody who had a girlfriend for a very short time. Mm -hmm. I was, I think, to blame partially because I was actively decepting somebody I didn't know for no good reason. Deceiving. What did I say? Decepting. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. I was actually, I was only saying deceiving because I was, I wanted you to tell me if decepting was a word because I wasn't sure. No, 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 no. My brain's melting. But, uh, and I think that that was hideous. Like that was so gross of me. No, you might, you might have thought that this person's truly in love with you waiting for another shoe to drop. I bet you were really into this person to do that. But, but everybody like everybody has that hope, but it was so disrespectful and I wasn't treating that person that I didn't know with dignity. You know what I mean? Well, and you're I think that also, was horrible. I think there's a time and place. I think when you're in your 20s, there's an exploratory phase in your life and you might have recognized that and said, oh, we're not all wives and children here. And I think the assumption with someone as famous as Adam Levine might be, oh, this is just that type of person who is so high on his own supply from fame and maybe he's bored and he's probably just blanketing out a million DMs. And if it gives this woman that thrill that this super famous person is giving me attention, yeah, it's not moral, but we have to scathe her or whatever. Oh, no, 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 no. I just, I I don't like the picture she's painting of herself as like this totally innocent 
And maybe, maybe she is. Maybe she is. This is just my take. I don't think that anybody comes out clean from a situation But I like think that. in like power hierarchies and all this with, you know, bosses putting yeah. a weird amount of po- power on people and taking mm-hmm. advantage that way. I think celebrity is a weird amount of power. And oh, if is. someone contacts you, you're under a weird spell and you, you feel special. Because a lot of people in their day-to-day life, they don't feel that special. And when somebody comes out of nowhere and just makes you feel like, I don't know, you're, you must be worth something. It's, it's hard to kick somebody. And, you know, Adam Levine even like, like. She's pretty young too, I think, right? I don't know, but there's a million reasons for everything. And I know we want to scathe a lot of people, but (laughs) ultimately I just want people to be happy. Everyone. I want Adam Levine and I want his family to be happy and everything and hopefully everything works out for everyone not to generalize too much yeah f adam levine sure but but honestly like why why f anyone let's i hope everyone can this is a cocky dick i know but people are that way for a reason i think but you you don't want everyone to be redeemed and and, no uh, i I do i do i do and i want it to work out specifically for his wife and kids sake Mm because they're innocent and all this now they have to put up with all this crap but like yeah it's hard not to of course because he's a man like somebody when they do that of course he's rich powerful Mm -hmm. attractive it's not a lot to like there. <laughs> no, there isn't because he's he's not an underdog. No, I'm not course, rooting for, for nobody is him. Yeah, oh, it's tricky. He turned. He finally turned off the comments, by the way, on his Instagram because he had them going for like days after all this came out, and there were just tens and mm-hmm. thousands of just nasty comments. But uh, he finally turned them off. I noticed that the other day. Yeah. Anyway, Shane, that's how we're doing for tonight. Nice. Send okay. on that happy note. Oh, I thought you were flipping to another question, but that's it. That's it. That's all. Thanks so much for listening to This, this Family, Family Tree, Tree Podcast. Podcast, episode 146. <laughs> <laughs>